warm welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. This is the Victoria Day weekend, a distinctly Canadian celebration. Queen Victoria reigned for 63 years and seven months, and in the year of her death, 1901, here in Canada, it was decreed to honor her reign that had seen so much, including the Confederation of Canada, May 24th was declared a formal holiday. Now, the holiday is set as the Monday before May 25th and includes not just Queen Victoria, but now a celebration of Queen Elizabeth. This marks our present Queen's official birthday. Elizabeth, who has reigned now 66 years and 11 months and counting. Well, on this holiday weekend, we gather as Christians to mark a holy day. We gather to celebrate the Holy One, known in Jesus Christ and by Holy Spirit. One known as King and Shepherd, as Potter and Judge and Mother Hen and Friend and as Creator. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Let us worship God and begin in song. Praise the Lord, the Almighty, who rules all creation.
long weekend of May. I was raised to set this weekend as a time when frost has passed and when it's safe to place outside the most tender of plants for the season to come. The long weekend of May. It's an appropriate time for us to think about the larger frameworks of life, not only our gardens, but even beyond our cities, to think of creation, to think of this beautiful and fragile world in which we live. Our first reading of scripture reminds us that this wondrous world is indeed the work of God, not only at the beginning, but even now. Selected verses, Psalm 104, I invite you to read it with me responsively. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty, wrapped in light as with a garment. You stretch out the heavens like a tent. You set the beams of your chambers on the waters. You make the clouds your chariot. You ride on the wings of the wind. You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. Giving drink to every wild animal, the wild asses quench their thirst. By the streams, the birds of the air have their habitation. They sing among the branches. You cause the grass to grow for the cattle and plants for people to use. To bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the human heart. Oil to make the face shine and bread to strengthen the human heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests, the stork has its home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats, the rocks are a refuge for the conies. O Lord, how manifold are your works! In wisdom you have made them all, the earth is full of your creatures. Yonder's the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there, living things both small and great. These all look to you, to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise, Praise the, the Lord. Lord. Amen.
Let us hear the word of the Lord and begin in prayer. O Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love and strength to follow on the path you set before us. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. Our first reading is from Job, chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. Ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds of the air, and they will tell you, or speak to the bushes of the earth, and they will teach you, or let the fish of the sea inform you, which among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this. In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all humanity. And from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And finally from Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. For what can be known about God is plain to humanity, because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, God's eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things that God has made. Amen. Thanks be to God for these readings from the Holy Scripture. Thank you.
Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found now acceptable in your sight. You who are our rock and redeemer. Amen. At various times in life, by choice or by constraint, we have the opportunity to step back, to take inventory, to consider what we might have left behind and need to recover, but also what we no longer need and that is burdening us, that we need now to let go of. These weeks of May, I've been inviting you to consider with me where and who we are now by exploring the life of those who've gone before us, namely the Celtic Christians of the 5th to 9th centuries, with a particular focus upon the St. Martin's Standing Cross on that Scottish island of Iona, hewn from one piece of rock and amazingly brought across the waters and erected, found today where it was first placed 1,200 years ago. We have considered the great height of the cross, its vertical shaft towering five meters above the earth, and how this cross and Jesus Christ lifts our eyes to consider the Holy and the Eternal One. We've also considered the engravings upon this cross, how on one side there are wonderful weavings that evoke how God is woven throughout our lives, and on the other side, particular scenes of salvation history engraved, scenes in which God has been known and acknowledged to be at work. And at the very center of that side, an image of a mother holding a child, Mary holding the Holy One incarnate amongst us in Jesus, but also an image of God holding us in Christ. This morning, I ask you to consider with me where this cross was placed, where it is now found. It's not within the walls of a religious community or village, it's not placed in the beauty of a sanctuary or the busyness of a market square. But fully and intentionally, it is found on a bare, windswept hill beside the ocean, entirely exposed and open. This location reveals a critical dimension of the Christian faith for the Celts. There, upon the green grass and the hard rock, under the great overarching sky of the sun by day and the moon by night, in the midst of all the seasons from summer through to winter, there in that place they believed the Holy One is to be contemplated and encountered. Remember how Patrick when he was captured by the Celts, taken back to their island, set as a slave to care for their flocks, he lived out in the open, 
through those 10 years. And it was there in the open that he turned to know God. He grew that relationship with the Holy One in prayer and meditation and song. If God is an author, the Celts would say God wrote two books. In each of these books, God communicates and God is known. The first, of course, is the Bible. Columba and his followers, when they landed on Iona and set up their small gathering there, each of them had their own wooden hut. They prayed together, worshipped together, ate together, but some then worked in the fields and some painted by hand the magnificent manuscripts by which the Holy Scriptures could become to known by other communities. The Bible, the Word of God, was foundational to their life of faith. This is a page from the Psalter of St. Columba from the 6th or early 7th century. It's the oldest collection of Psalms bar one in the world. And it includes Psalm 104 that we read this morning. But these Celtic Christians, they read another book as well. For them, this other book was complementary in authority and in revelation. And their appreciation of and emphasis upon this second book was a particular contribution that I believe the Celtic Christians made to the Christian faith. That other book was creation. The Celts were not builders. Celtic Christians were not tempted to follow in the tradition that constrained God to a temple. They felt closer to God when they stood open to the sky in the vast ocean. The Celtic Christians spoke about this earth as God's cathedral. The earth is God's cathedral in the sense that God designed it and God built it. This earth is literally a creation of God. The very first words of Holy Scripture declare the same. In the beginning, God created. And it's an emphasis that was taken up and even deepened in that revelation of the Holy One known in Jesus Christ. The beginning of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And all things came into being through Him. Creator and Savior. Creation and salvation. They're bundled together. These Celtic Christians, they followed the guidance of Scripture. That creation points to the Creator. And something of God is seen in this world that God has made. Creation provides us with a, a sort of mirror in which we can contemplate the God who cannot be seen directly and know the character of the Eternal One. Paul writes to the Christians of Rome, Ever since the creation of the world, God's invisible nature 
has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. Creation is God's cathedral. God is origin and architect, but also God is sustainer. God is the one who continually is known in and cares for creation. Remember how the psalmist declared of God, you make the springs gush forth. You cause the grass to grow for the cattle. You bring forth food for all the earth. The Celts felt God known in creation and active in creation. They understood the holiness of the earth. They understood the sacredness of matter. Not in itself, but because they are in the hands of the Holy One. Columba once famously said, Understand created things if you want to understand the Creator. Columba believed the Creator uses creation to share life and love to humanity. Consider this prayer attributed to Columba. Lord, you are my island, in your bosom I nest. You are the calm of the sea, in that peace I rest. You are the waves and the ocean's glistening stones, their sound is my hymn. You are the song of the birds, their tune I sing. You are the sea breaking on the rock. I praise you with the swell. You are the ocean that laps my being. In you I dwell. To live in appreciation of and in sync with the rhythms of creation was to live in the presence and the promises of the Creator who is present in this creation. Such a life for these Celtic Christians was not easy, but it was deep and it was good. The circumstances of their lives on those rocky shores was often hard, but their hearts were filled with a wonderful harmony. They told stories of living in harmony with creation and in living in harmony with creation They lived in harmony, they felt, with God. They told stories of their spiritual leaders that kept their hearts open and their imaginations wild. One story is of a leader by the name of Muchuao, a contemporary of of Columba, who lived in a hut in the wilderness. It was said that he had no worldly wealth but for three creatures, a rooster, a mouse, and a fly. The rooster's work was to call him to prayer at midnight. The mouse would not let him sleep for more than five hours. If he ever wanted to sleep more, the mouse would come and nibble at the man's ear until he awoke. And the fly? Well, the fly's employment 
was to walk along the lines of the Psalter as Muchuao read it. And if at one point Muchuao left his huts, left the Psalter, the reading behind, the fly was to linger upon that word, that line, until that Christian came back to his devotions. The fly marked the spot. Seeking to live in creation in ways that honored the Creator, these Celtic Christians felt the presence of the Holy One. They knew this joy, and they passed this joy on to generation upon generation. The early years of the 20th century, a Scottish minister by the name of Alistair MacLean toured his native Hebridean islands and recorded some of the prayers originally in Gaelic, transcribed them into English. As the hand is made for holding and the eye for seeing, thou hast fashioned me for joy. Share with me the vision that shall find it everywhere, in the wild violet's beauty, in the lark's melody, in the face of a steadfast man, in a child's smile, in a mother's love, in the purity of Jesus. These Celtic Christians were so disciplined and yet also so free. They lived with so much vulnerability and yet also such great trust. They experienced so much struggle, but also so much deep joy. They were exposed, and yet they knew themselves embraced. Embraced as part of creation by none other than the Creator. The name of this cross that we've been gathering around these weeks on the island of Iona is known as the Cross of St. Martin. Martin, we're told, was a member of the elite cavalry unit within the Roman Empire during the fourth century. After his conversion and baptism, we're told that he felt the call by Christ to turn from violence, and he became a conscientious objector, escaping just with his life. He went on to become a leader of the Christians of the town known as Tours in Gaul, or now France. Perhaps standing before this cross, it's now our turn to stand up, to turn away from the way things are, the way we are, to refuse to participate any longer in the violence being inflicted upon this God-given, this God-filled earth, and to take up a new way in this world, to simplify, to respect, to sacrifice, and to joy. Might this cross, this witness of Columba and the Celtic Christians, be a call across the ages of conversion, for us to turn again and anew to the Creator, known in the beauty and care of creation, as in Jesus Christ.
so may it be. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we gather before you at the beginning of this week, seeking a new consciousness of your reality and presence. Do birds as they fly wonder if there is air? Do fish of the lake question if there is water? 
In you we live and move and have our being. This day we would not debate but experience and know you. We do not pray, O God, as if by our prayers we might instruct you concerning our needs, for you know them already. As if by our prayers we might move you from forgetfulness, for you are faithful. We pray now against our own self-centeredness, our own reluctance, not against yours. We pray now that our hearts might be open so that you might come in as you have for so long desired. O oh God, help us never to lose our vision of you. You are the center and the circumference. You bind together all that is meaningful and beautiful in life. You hold all creation in your hands and all creatures and even us. If some of us this morning have been shattered by doubt, restore us to such an awareness of your presence that we may trust strongly again. We pray, O oh God, grow within us a new love for others. Forgive us that so often we respond out of carelessness and exhaustion. Give us grace to see beneath the flesh and behind the words into the hearts of others, that we might sympathize more deeply with the needs of human lives, to love better the things that are lovely in people, and to excuse more mercifully the things that are unlovely, and mend more helpfully the things that are torn and broken. We pray, O oh God, grow within us a new relationship with your creation, so that with mountains capped in white and rivers cascading, with cardinals flashing amongst the trees and the beluga playing in the river, with fields friable and gardens full of promise, with creation and all your creatures, we too might sing your praise. Grow within us, O God, a new care for your creation, so that we might reorder our lives, personal, national, and global, our economies and circles of education, our governments and our communities, to regain our rightful role as stewards of creation, as a people who serve the Creator and not themselves. Hear us, O God, as we lift up our prayers personal in this time of silence. Hear us as we pray. Holy God, as we lift up these our prayers for others, we thank you. We thank you for the life that stirs in us, for this beautiful world in which we travel, for homes to share, friends to cherish, 
neighbors to care for, for good books and flowers blooming, for moments of clarity and conviction that overwhelm us from time to time, the great and mysterious opportunity of our lives, for humanity's long history to remember, the many examples to follow, the many around us who are this very hour at work for good, the common good, the good of all, for days of joy, for inner calm you give on days of gloom. We thank you for the peace that passes understanding that comes from knowing you, creator, savior, and sustainer. And so now with generations past and generations yet unborn, we gather together to say together the words that you have given us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. conclude 
as always, with blessing. Blessing not from Andrew nor from St. Andrews, but from the Lord God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace this day and always. Amen.